Hello, and welcome to the Science in the City podcast, your gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences. I'm your host, Tamara Johnson. The overwhelming, basically unanimous majority of scientists believe that global warming is a real phenomenon, that human actions are a cause, and that it's urgent we start living in a more sustainable way. A key component of this shift to sustainability is the search for clean energy sources. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, carbon dioxide is the primary greenhouse gas emitted through human activities. In 2012, carbon dioxide accounted for about 82% of all U.S. greenhouse gas emissions from human activities. While CO2 emissions come from a variety of natural sources, human-related emissions are responsible for the increase that has occurred in the atmosphere since the Industrial Revolution. This is mainly due to the burning of fossil fuels like coal or oil, so coming up with good energy alternatives to fossil fuels is really important. Now, if you think back to your biology classes, you'll recall that plants use the process of photosynthesis to turn sunlight, water, and carbon dioxide into energy in the form of glucose and oxygen. That's about as low impact energy production as it gets. In this podcast, we'll be hearing about how scientists are trying to use chemistry to imitate this process in order to produce inspired by nature energy for human use. My name is Hua uh, Feng Huan. Uh, my English name is Wolf and uh, from China. My research is focused on what we call the artificial photosynthesis, which is a way to mimic the nature, to make a device that like a leaf. But instead of producing oxygen, we try to make the device to make uh, hydrogen as a fuel. The things we use to make the hydrogen, it's really simple. The two things it requires, one is the sunlight, and then the second thing is just the water. That was our guest for this podcast. Wolf is a PhD student at SUNY Stony Brook and a research assistant at Brookhaven National Lab. Wolf, this is so cool. How does it work? I know what an, an actual biological leaf does, but what does an artificial leaf do to perform this process? Yeah, it's uh, pretty similar, but different ways. Uh, the biological way is more complicated than what we did. Uh, the device is, the central piece of the device is called a semiconductor. Semiconductor is like a piece of matter or oh, oxides, uh, if you know, is matter mixed with oxygen. And they have the ability to eat the sunlight and then just to produce electricity. How does that work? That's, that's the chemical, photochemical, electrical stuff. Uh, the semiconductor is like a natural ability to do this work. Like Einstein said, there's a phenomenon uh, called photoelectric effect, which uh, a, a semiconductor can absorb sunlight. The electrons from very low energy can be excited by the sunlight because the sunlight have uh, energy, which is uh, photons, and then those photons excite the electrons. Electrons go to a higher energy, so they can be uh, have the mobility, so then uh, electrics can be, a current can be produced inside. Cool. So I'm, I'm with you so far with the production of an electric current, and how does this end up producing hydrogen? And then that's the first step. And so the, for the hydrogen thing, it's like the, a third step. In between, there's a second step. So what's the second step? second step is uh, like very easy. It's the, the electrics, they produce the inside the semiconductor. But in this device, the leaf-like device, 
there's not only semiconductor is a centerpiece. So the, the surface, there's a called catalyst. So the semiconductor between the semiconductor and the, the surface, the catalyst, there's a way the, electrics, the electrons should go all the way up because uh, there's no way to produce hydrogen in the semiconductor. They have to reach the surface. Then you can see bulbs, right? You can produce uh, inside. If the bulb is inside, there's no way you can see hydrogen come out. So in the way between, that's we call a transmission, electrons transmission. Just like uh, uh, people or cars flow in the street, the electrons flow from the semiconductor, from the center to the surface. And this way is the second way. Almost always, some electrons will be lost due to the traffic. <laughs> you can see uh, if if there's a lot of car coming this way, and uh, if there's some bad traffic, and from the end of the street you can see fewer cars just to come out. <laughs> that's the uh, it. Uh, that's the way it works. So electrons are like the cars or people. They're coming inside, but when it reaches to the surface, there's a fewer of them there. And then the third step, like you're asking, uh, how it produces hydrogen. Yeah. So once they get to the surface, what happens, and how do they become <laughs> when hydrogen? those uh, electrons finally reach the surface? That's like oh, that's the final goal of us. Oh, we all, we finally see the sunlight, <laughs> and then the water is covered on the surface of this leaf-like device. So the electrons reach the water. And we know the water is compromised by H2 and O, which if you separate them is H2 plus O2, which is hydrogen and oxygen. So uh, electrons is uh, energy, is a force to separate them. Uh, we already have uh, lots of commercial devices that use electrics to produce hydrogen. So this way is very, uh, it's very mature. So this technology is not a problem. The electrons, uh, the water, there's inside the edge plus part can absorb the electrons. And then they can combine them to produce H2 as a hydrogen gas. Awesome. It's like a chemical reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole process seems like it would be basically zero environmental impact since yes, you're just taking that's natural thing, sunlight. Right? That's like a green, from, from green to green. <laughs> Nothing is uh, toxic or, or like uh, a carbon included, no carbon at all. That's so interesting. I mean, yeah, if, I mean, the other byproduct is oxygen. So right, the byproduct is oxygen. <laughs> and when you burn hydrogen, you produce the water. So if hydrogen has a fuel, it's a clean fuel, and uh, no environmental harm. So that's a promising fuel for the future. So how much hydrogen can you produce with this process? Is it enough to be a usable energy source? This is a very tricky question. <laughs> because so far, many materials scientists are looking for, they are still in a prototype. They, uh, they don't have the very good efficiency to be commercialized because the efficiency is kind of still low. If you want to be 
cheap and uh, efficient to produce hydrogen. So the how many hydrogens you produce? Uh, they have a video, a very good research team at MIT. They produce the video. They put their device in inside a cup of water, and then they shine with uh, sunlight. You can actually see bubbles coming up. That's really cool. Yeah, you can. I, the first time I saw the video, wow, <laughs> that's what I'm doing really well. That's so cool. Hypothetically, if you could use artificial leaves to produce enough hydrogen, what would it be used for? Right now, the the, the hydrogen is mostly used in uh, maybe, or in the future, near future, used in vehicles. They are using to power the vehicles instead of we using gas or wind or oil. That's kind of uh, environmentally not friendly. <laughs> it, it produces a lot of problems, right? And uh, I think uh, there are several companies, uh, model making companies like uh, GM. They have a model where the engine is uh, energy by hydrogen. They put a tank of hydrogen in the bottom of the car and then burn the hydrogen to run the car. I think uh, several years ago, five years ago maybe, uh, one senior graduate student in my group, he went to a, a conference or something, and uh, he really saw the model there. And then his friend, really lucky, have a chance to drive this car <laughs> for an hour all over the Long Island. Awesome. Yeah, so I think, well, that's cool. And he said to me, the, there's no so not so loud noise than a normal car because normal car runs in the engine using uh, using the gasoline to burn and produce a lot of noise when you start the engine. But he said it's quiet, it's quiet, and you can you can put on your gas to sixty miles. He said. Neat. As an aside, could you please describe how hydrogen would power a car? A normal car burns the gasoline. And when it burns, it produces a lot of energy and heat. The energy it explodes can push the pistol of the en engine, then push the pistol and then produce the force to rotate the whole thing and then push the car forward. So the hydrogen will do the same thing. Hydrogen burns, produce a lot of heat and uh, energy. Awesome. So those energy used to run the whole engine. Mm. How did you get interested in this area? Well, you, that's a very interesting story. You asked a really interesting question. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I come here, I guess it's three years ago. Oh, it's four, three years. Three years, and it's also August. I come to this country, and I've never been to anywhere foreign besides China. And I can speak a little English because I haven't been practiced to foreigners. So I went, I went to JFK Airport, and I know no, know nobody, and I don't know. So I took me almost a hundred dollars from JFK to my university, and then after that I found out the normal price is like twenty dollars. You can buy a train, you, you can take a train, but it took me a hundred dollars to there. And then I just come to this country. I, I feel like uh, why I'm here. And uh, at that time, I have a dream that chemistry is my favorite thing. I want to do this, but I don't know there's such an interesting area. People really working on that. Until one day, I saw a newspaper. 
in library. I just doing my homework and uh, doing the rest time. I read in newspaper from the university, and then I see I saw a story saying researchers in MIT they're making artificial leaf, and I said, "Wow, that's interesting." So I took a longer time to do a little bit of research on that, and I found there's actually people here at the Stony Brook University. They are doing this kind of research. So I was like, "Wow, I have to go for that." <laughs> and then I talked to my advisor now, and also other people's other professors in national lab, and I tried to find a, a best way that. I'm interested in that I'm trying to find the best way that I can involve involved in such an interesting program and finally uh, just find my right now advisor. That's awesome. Yeah. When you first came here, um, was it for school as well? or? Um? Yeah, it's for school. I had a bachelor degree in China and then applied uh, graduate school here uh, to Stony Brook. So I came, I came here as a master's student. The first year, my first year is a master's student, and in the first half year, I was thinking uh, if I'm gonna do a research like that, I a master degree is not enough for me to know enough things that I want to know. So I I decided after several months I want to join the group, and then I decided I want to transfer to a PhD program. <laughs> what would you like to do after you graduate? Uh, I want to be maybe do something really uh, usable we can see or we can use to the world so I don't want uh, I don't want just to run whole life research basic foundation research at that time I want to know everything about the thing I'm interested in this uh, specific program or this specific technology and then I want to be uh, maybe engineering or open a company someday and or join the people who already did this first and then try to learn more things and maybe in the future I can make my own stuff and then can people can use it. Getting back to the artificial leaf, what's your estimation of how long it will take until this technology becomes viable for consumers? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> uh, there are, I think there are several countries in here in the USA they doing the prototype producing and uh, uh, one of them you funded very early around 2005 they producing a hydrogen generator that can actually produce hydrogen from sunlight and water but I don't think they are making progress during this year so maybe this product is uh, not very good uh, organized by uh, recognized by normal people. So there's a, in our area, in this area, there's a top famous professor. There's a group working in this, in MIT and Harvard University. He gave speeches all over the world. And uh, two years ago, 2011, he said uh, it took 15 years from now, from 2011, that we can actually use it normal people can use it in our pocket. So from now maybe I will guess maybe uh, 12 years after that. That's cool. You can see really uh, a device or things working. 
It seems like it's got to be really exciting to be involved in such cutting-edge research. Ten years from now, it'll be the new yes, energy form. Exactly, right, right. <laughs> so every day I'm doing research, I feel excited. And uh, I want to be learn more and more stuff, and I want to make more and more progress in this project. And I want to know more and more people who is doing this so I can be involved in uh, maybe in the future in a commercialized uh, organization so I can start seeing people making this and I can join and maybe in the future I can try myself to make it. What does it mean to you personally to be doing this work? Is green technology a passion of yours? Right, right. Uh, I lived in, uh, in a in a town, a small town in China. And uh, as you know, uh, lots of people in China and the environment issue is rising, rising days after days. Actually, the, the day, uh, the time, 2008, the Olympics in Beijing, all, lots of people are worried about the air, air conditions in Beijing. And also, it's very serious there, especially this past year. People can, people have to put a mask on the street, and uh, in those major cities, it's so serious. That, uh, it's like uh, 1970s in San Francisco. Here, people are actually being uh, poisoned, poisoned by the air in on the street. So it's serious right now. The condition in China is very serious, and I've been passed through all this, and this. As a chemist, I was always have a dream that one day I want to make uh, people around me the life better, and I want to make no pollution in my country or in my town, no no water pollution, no air pollution, and make the world makes the world cleaner and green. Are you optimistic that this research is going to make a difference? It's the springtime for this technology artificial <laughs> leaf, so I can see uh, more and more news coming out. Um, every day on about this uh, specific technology. Does it feel good that there's so much momentum in the research community in your area, or does it put extra pressure on you? No pressure at all. <laughs> okay. That's a very good news to hear, right? Actually, more people uh, caring, caring about this uh, specific uh, technology, then more people will know them, and uh, maybe more support will come to this new technology, help it to to be realized sooner. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. Science in the City thanks the Brotherton Foundation for its generous support of this podcast. For more, visit scienceinthecity.org. You can also follow us on social media. We're Sci and the City on Twitter and Science and the City on Facebook. Thanks for listening.